Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 180 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Luke chapter 3 today and our focus is on why are the genealogies of Luke and Matthew so different and Jesus separating the wheat from the chaff, those saved people from the unsaved. So every day we go through a chapter of the Bible asking questions, learning and sharing truth with each other. Our goal is to get as many people as possible reading the Bible daily and following the teachings of Jesus and the Word of God daily. And I would invite you to share the show with friends so that they can get involved in that mission as well. You can do that by searching for Bible 2021 podcast in your favorite podcasting app, or you can simply go to our webpage, Bible2021.com. Now, our first question of the day is kind of an apologetics question. Even a cursory glance at the genealogies of Jesus in Matthew and Luke tells us that there are some noticeable differences. And so how can this be? Isn't the Bible without error? And yes, I believe it is. The Jews kept very good records, especially of ancestors and births. So it's really no accident that these two records are slightly different. And I think there's a good reason that accounts for that. We can't go super deep into it today, but... We do need to remember that both Luke and Matthew were written at different times by different people. The Bible isn't one book with many chapters. It's a collection of books that was kind of smashed together at a later date, written by different people. But that doesn't mean Luke was right and Matthew wrong or vice versa, because all the books of the Bible are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and I believe they are inerrant, free from error. And I think, again, there's a very good explanation for some of the differences in the genealogies. And we'll turn to our friends at gotquestions.org to give us that simple explanation. They say that Luke is recording Mary's genealogy and Matthew is recording Joseph's genealogy. Matthew is following the line of Joseph, who was Jesus's legal father through David's son Solomon, while Luke is following the line of Jesus, I mean, the line of Mary, who was Jesus's blood relative, through David's son Nathan. Since there was no specific Koine Greek word for son-in-law, Jesus was Joseph was called the son of Heli by marriage to Mary, Heli's daughter. Through either Mary or Joseph's line, Jesus is a descendant of David and therefore eligible to be the Messiah. Tracing a genealogy through the mother's side is unusual, but of course, so was the virgin birth. Luke's explanation is that Jesus was the son of Joseph, so it was thought. Well, let's read our chapter, and then we can discuss how Jesus is going to use his winnowing fork or shovel to separate people and not wheat. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. He then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance, and don't start saying to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, 
that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him, and he replied to them, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He told them, Don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. And some soldiers also questioned him, What should we do? And he said to them, Don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire never goes out. Then, along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added this to everything else. He locked up John in prison. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And as he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Matat, son of Levi, son of Melchi, son of Janai, son of Joseph, son of Mattathias, son of Amos, son of Nahum, son of Esli, son of Nagai, son of Maath, son of Mattathias, son of Simeon, son of Josek, son of Jodah, son of Joanon, son of Resa, son of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, son of Neri, son of Melchi, son of Adi, son of Kosim, son of Elmadam, son of Ur, son of Joshua, son of Eleazar, son of Joram, son of Matat, son of Levi, son of Simeon, son of Judas, son of Joseph, son of Jonam, son of Eliakim, son of Malia, son of Mena, son of Matatatha, son of Nathan, son of David, son of Jesse, son of Obed, son of Boaz, son of Salmon, Son of Nashon, son of Amminadab, son of Ram, son of Hezron, son of Perez, son of Judah, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, son of Terah, son of Nahor, son of Sarug, son of Ru, son of Peleg, son of Eber, son of Shelah, son of Canaan, son of Arphaxad, son of Shem, son of Noah, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Mahalalel, son of Canaan, Son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. So I find John's testimony about who Jesus is and what he's going to do to be fascinating and revealing. John says that I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. So what in the world is a winnowing fork or a winnowing shovel? Well, Dr. Al Mohler helps us to understand this farming illustration that might be a little foreign to our ears if we're not from an agriculture society. John the Baptist told the crowds who came to hear his free preaching in the wilderness of Judea that Christ was coming with his winnowing fork in his hand. That picture might not come readily to our imagination, but it would have been immediately known to John's audience. At the time of the harvest, a winnowing fork, which sort of looks like a large uh, three-pronged rake, think the uh, painting American Gothic, 
It would be used to toss the stalks and heads of grain into the air, usually in the face of a breeze. The wheat would fall to the ground to be collected, but the chaff, in other words, the part of the wheat that you don't eat and can't use, would blow away to be collected and burned up. The Lord of the harvest will collect his grain into the barn, but the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. The judgment is so clear, as is the grace. The Messiah will judge the nations in every single soul. He will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff. The coming judgment is horrifying. There's no allowance for annihilation here. We are warned instead of an unquenchable fire. Among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one least in the kingdom is greater than he. And how in the world can something like that be? Well, that's how the kingdom is. The preacher of the gospel of Jesus has a message infinitely greater even than the great message of John the Baptist and the honor of an even greater calling. We have the privilege, friends, of preaching the good news of salvation in the name of Jesus. We tell about his birth in Bethlehem. We proclaim that God's word has become flesh and dwelled among us. We preach Christ crucified as our substitute for our sins and raised from the dead for our justification and salvation. We openly promise that salvation comes to any sinner who believes in Jesus and turns away from his sins and repents. But that promise both saves and condemns. The faithful preacher is like the winnowing fork or shovel in the Lord's harvest. True gospel preaching leads to wheat collected into the barn, but it also leads to chaff collected for the burning. This does not fit the expectation of a religious professional, but it is the glory of the true minister of Jesus' calling. In other words, John was pointing to the same reality that Jesus pointed us to in Matthew 25, verse 31, when Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and the king will say to those on his right, Come! You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And as you keep reading, he's going to send the goats on his left into eternal darkness and fire. And it's also very similar to the parable of the wheat and tares or the wheat and weeds in Matthew 13. John, when he talks about Jesus having a winnowing fork in his hand, is warning that a separation is going to happen initiated by Jesus in the last days. Those that are in Christ, the wheat, the sheep, will be separated from those who are not in Christ, the weeds and the goats. This is a stark reality that should cause all of us to flee to Christ in faith, believing in him to save us eternally, and he will. Well, let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of June, Daniel 6, 23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the lion's den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.